ATCBC. It's such an honor to be here with you all today. Thanks so much for having me. I remember fondly our time together last year as I was able to come and meet with you and just journey with you in this chapter of your church as you discern who your next lead pastor will be and as you discern God's calling for you for campus and community. And it was just such a joy to be with you. I really believe God has so much in store for TCBC, yeah, your passion for him and the call you have for him, both in Urbana-Champaign and also the world, is very huge. And so um, thank you for letting me be a part of your journey, and thank you for letting me share with you here today. Well, I've been asked by Pastor Jeff to share a little bit about your summer series, Pursuing Christ Together, and specifically to focus in on how to pursue Christ together uh, in, in mutual edification and mutual investment in each other's lives. How, how can you do this as one family? How can you do this in such a way where you truly love each other no matter what and pursue Jesus no matter what? Well, there's a lot of passages that talk about this idea of being one and, and pursuing Jesus together. I'm sure all of us have perhaps our favorites. Uh, one of my favorites comes in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about how we should rejoice with those who rejoice and how we should mourn with those who mourn. I love this idea about truly sharing in each other's emotions, each other's joys, and each other's burdens. I, I think that does give a great picture of what it means to be mutually engaged, mutually invested in each other. But you know, this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 actually is a pretty deep one because it's not just talking about emotions and how we can mutually support each other at that level, although that's really important. It goes even deeper to talk about the ways you and I, because of sin and because of how society works, how you and I can actually be divided and distanced from each other in such a way where we won't mutually engage and invest in each other. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12 and, and hear what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, might have to tell us today. I'm going to be starting in verse 12 of chapter 12. And uh, let me read, and you guys can follow on the screen. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts in the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that each of its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, many of you will read this passage and immediately think about how this passage is talking about our spiritual gifts and how God has given us each different gifts in the body, in the church family. And these spiritual gifts, while they make us different, also unite us. And in fact, we need each other's and each other's spiritual gifts. Now, that is one, of course, very good interpretation for this passage, because if you were to read the paragraph before the one that I just read, or the passage that I just read, and the paragraph after this passage that I just read, it clearly talks about the idea of spiritual gifts. However, did you note that in the actual text we read here today, the difference in diversity isn't necessarily one of spiritual gifts, or at least it's not noted in the paragraphs that we read. In fact, in the first paragraph that we read, notice the divisions that Paul brings up in verse 12 and 13. Especially in 13, it says this, For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. And then note this, Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. He's emphasizing or noting the difference of ethnicity or race, and the difference of class. Now, this isn't just in the first paragraph. If you kind of just read it through the next two paragraphs, you begin to realize that, wait a second, Paul is actually talking not just with gifts in mind, but again, he's thinking about issues of class, social class. This whole thing about honorable parts of the body, dishonorable parts of the body are unpresentable, weaker. How can we honor certain unpresentable parts? I mean, for the modern American uh, mind, we just kind of read through that and think, oh, he's talking about genitalia and, you know, yeah, we treat those with honor and so on and so forth. And on one hand, that's true. But don't forget, Paul is writing 2000 years ago in an honor shame culture. And honor and shame have a lot to do with class. In fact, I am under the impression that, along with some scholars, that these body parts even that are being discussed have inherently a hierarchical ranking in terms of honor and shame. So, for example, a hand is more valuable, or excuse me, a, a, a hand is uh, more valuable than a foot and an eye is more valuable than a hand and a head the head is more valuable than hands and so when we're, we're talking about oh if the foot says i'm not a hand and so i'm not a part of the body the foot is actually understood as a dishonorable or lower class body part uh, i think there are there's some evidence in the first century that that is how people thought of the body and definitely when you get to um, the parts uh, starting in verse 21 any parts associated with the face in comparison to the hands or feet are clearly in that time period more honorable or higher in quote-unquote rank 
And so I think Paul here is actually talking about something interesting that happens. Oftentimes, race or ethnicity mixed in with class, mixed in with spiritual gift affinities, can lead to divisive and distance sort of relationships in the body of Jesus when sin gets involved. Now, you may be thinking, wait, 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 how does this happen? How does race and class and spiritual gifts, like how does that even mix together in, in such a way where, where like, d- you know, divisiveness can happen? Well, let's think about it in modern day, and then we'll jump back in 2,000 years ago, again, to this world of First Corinthians and think through this. If you are Asian or white, and you are educated with a college degree or above, or above, my hunch is that you are attracted to certain spiritual gifts. My hunch would be that you are attracted to the gifts of knowledge and teaching. And because of that, you have a passion, of course, for those things. But because of that, you can also, if sin gets in the mix, disregard or look down upon or see other gifts or functions in the body as somehow lesser than. So, for example, again, we have race class, right? Um, you're, you're white or Asian. You, you, you're, you have a college above degree, and so you, that puts you at a certain class. And again, you have these teaching gifts. And so have you ever been in those moments where maybe someone wasn't as theologically trained, but they had maybe some other spiritual gifts that you couldn't see past, or that you couldn't see because you're stuck by their lack of theological training or lack of teaching gift. And so you couldn't receive what good gift and good ministry God had for you through that other person. Or let's think about another example. Um, Some of you perhaps identify as uh, first-generation immigrants uh, from cultures that traditionally have not emphasized education. And so perhaps you're a first-generation Latino immigrant who maybe barely got through high school or didn't get through high school. You came to this country and uh, God has brought you to TCBC and you have a passion for prayer. You have a passion for hospitality to make people feel like they're home. But because of your class, you know, you're, you're, you're not as educated as everyone else at TCBC. You don't have the high performing jobs perhaps because of your race and culture, and because of your gifts, and the emphasis perhaps on a teaching gift or a knowledge gift that others have, you feel somehow less than. You feel different. You feel even divided, separated from other people at TCBC. You know, I think this is exactly what this text is telling us about. We know from scholars who've studied the first century that the city of Corinth, in which this church was located in, was kind of like a mix of L.A., New York, and Vegas. And what I mean by that is it was influenced, uh, it was a multicultural, global city that was happening and, and very busy. And it was had a strong sense of both hierarchy, social hierarchy, and also a strong sense that you could get whatever you wanted to if you just worked hard enough for it. 
So you got this, got a little bit of New York, like strong hierarchy. You, uh, you have kind of the LA vibe. You can get whatever you want if you just work for it. And definitely Vegas in the sense that like anything goes, like, you know, sin was just whatever. You could do anything you wanted. And so what scholars have discovered uh, in this time period was that people could pursue advancement and people did like to the nth degree. This was something that just happened in the city of Corinth. And scholars clearly note that in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's, it, it influences even the spiritual pursuits, even the Christianity of these early Corinthian believers. And so there was a lot of you know, trying to one-up the other. There was a lot of um, trying to, you know, somehow be more honorable or better, more, you know, advance your class and status with somebody. And so I think what was going on then was just like today where certain ethnic groups, because of their past or current class, and also their spiritual gift affinities, what happened was they would then end up in these situations where they would either feel less than the other or more than the other and so as a result divisiveness and division came to the church and so in verse 15 for example right now if the foot should say because i'm not a hand oh man i don't belong to the hand anymore no that doesn't make sense paul says again this is with the understanding that the foot is a less than body part compared to the hand and then on the other flip side the eye being a better body part than the hand says in verse 21, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul's like, no, no, that kind of mindset is bad too. If you're a more than person, you can't say those things. The reason, of course, why we can't say those things, whether we feel like we're in the less than position or the more than position, is because God has truly made us one and made us equal. We truly are called the children of God and we truly are called to be this mutually affirming, mutually invested in body where we are mutually engaged and equal with each other. Now, the question of course is, well, why does this happen? And you know, how can we how can we avoid this sort of reality in our church? We've already talked about how this happens. I think this happens because ultimately sin comes in the picture. And sin, again, takes these three things of race and ethnicity, class, and spiritual gift affinities, and just kind of messes it all up. And so we get these sort of less than feelings, more than feelings. But the question then would be, well, how do we overcome this? And truly be one and advance together in Jesus' mission. Well, two things strike me about this passage that might be really helpful. The first is we need to note what God is doing and realize that God is actually trying to solve these wrongs brought in by sin. And as a result, we ought to follow God. Let me just point it out real quick. Both in the second paragraph and the third paragraph, there's a moment where Paul, in the middle of the paragraph, just kind of breaks in and says, well, God, though, is doing this. So notice in verse uh, 18, it, this is in the paragraph where there are people who feel less than, who somehow because of their ethnicity, class, and giftings feel like, oh, 
oh man, I'm not like those quote unquote better people. And so maybe, maybe I'm not a part of this body. And Paul's like, no, 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 hold on. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Paul is trying to uh, speak to these less than feeling people to say, you know what? No, 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 no. You're not less than. You are placed here by God and you have a purpose right here. You know, I think about uh, the churches I've been able to pastor by God's grace. And in every scenario we've run into, um, in, in both the churches I've pastored, we've, we've had to uh, go through this in certain seasons where we've had to help people, especially people who had no college education, embrace this reality that they were needed at these churches next to these major universities. They were needed, not, not to fill some, some type of social quota, but they were needed because God had a purpose and plan for them. In fact, God had brought them to this congregation because they had unique spiritual gifts and a unique perspective that others needed to hear. I've worked with a number of Latino brothers and sisters who were supernaturally gifted with the prophetic gifts, with this, this deep compassion and hospitality that many other cultures and spiritual gifts did not have. And our churches needed that, and they needed to hear that, no, don't fall into the trap of sin. Don't fall into the trap of the world thinking that you're less than. No, God has placed you here because he has a purpose for you. And then in this other paragraph, in the next paragraph, then Paul again breaks in and brings up what God is doing. And this one is directed to those who are more than, those who um, feel like somehow they're better than the less thans. And Paul, of course, says this is wrong. But notice what he says, what else he says in verse 24. He says this, But God has put the body together, and then check this out, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. What is Paul saying here? Well, the first half kind of reads like what we, you know, the previous paragraph. Well, God has put, put people there, okay. But specifically, Paul's emphasizing with those who have the higher positions or those who are more than, that specifically God has put the quote-unquote less than people there and that he is actually actively honoring them so that there should be no division in the body. In other words, like we see with the life of Jesus in the Gospels, like we see elsewhere in, in the scriptures, God wants to use what our world would call the quote-unquote foolish, quote-unquote the least, to make his kingdom emphasis and point and use them for his greater purpose of forming the body of Christ and advancing his kingdom purpose. In other words, to put, to put it differently, uh, some of you are familiar with this idea of equity versus equality. And I realize this takes us, may take us in another direction, but uh, just take a look at the picture on your screen. 
God is all about equity. Because in equity, there is something he hopes to accomplish in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ. And so let's just pause to think about that real quick. Did you realize that God is doing this right now at TCBC? In order that you might be one to advance the purposes of Jesus. Do you realize that God right now has been moving you, if you feel less than, into this church right now? Because he has a purpose for you. Did you know that if you, for whatever reason, feel like you're more than at TCBC, that God is actually doing something really special. He's actually treating the less thans with some honor right now so that something good can happen. And guess what? You may need to get on that boat and realize that the quote-unquote less thans are uniquely being blessed by God now. And you need to get on, in board, on board and be a blessing to them as well as God is doing that work. Again, why is he doing this? Well, he's wanting to advance something powerful in the world. And so we need to get on board with that. But there's one more thing this passage notes that we need to truly be aware of if we are to be mutually joined together for Christ's mission in our world as, as the body. Verse 26, the verse I noted at the beginning of this talk, and this is uh, the last verse also of this passage. We need to also learn how to enter in and truly empathize with each other in order to be truly mutually engaged and invested in the life of the other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. There's a need for this entering in on an emotional, spiritual, relational level so that we can be truly mutually one, mutually invested for the greater purposes of God. Now, here's the deal with this point. Again, we can think about this in very uh, sanitized ways, perhaps. Uh, in ways where like, oh yeah, I, I can just, uh, you know, this is just about, you know, if a friend gives me a call and, and they're hurting, I listen to them and weep with them and pray with them. Yeah, that's that's true. That's definitely part of it. But remember how Paul, specifically in this passage, has brought up the issue of race and ethnicity and also class. And the reality is, back then, as is now, sin can get in the picture and disrupt the church in such a way where divisions come along racial and socioeconomic class lines in such a way that we actually fail to truly become one. Now, I think it's easy to see a very clear application in this moment in time in our nation's history. We are all aware right now of the suffering and the pain 
that the black community is going through. The killing of George Floyd obviously sparked and reignited this pain and suffering. But this has been around for a long time, hasn't it? If you've studied our history as a country, we know that institutional racism has been around for hundreds of years. And we know that for the black community, the trauma that this racist system has caused is deep and still ongoing. It's not ongoing now because, you know, black people feel like, oh, they can't forgive us for the sins of the past, that they're so mad with uh, white people about slavery. No, 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 no. That's if, if you think black people are upset because of the past, I think you'd be mistaken. I think if you were to listen to our black brothers and sisters, and perhaps some of you at TCBC have been able to share with your other brothers and sisters, but if we were to listen to our black brothers and sisters, we would realize that institutional racism is still real right here, right now. And that the oppression, the discrimination, the the overt feelings of people trying to make themselves more than compared to black people, trying to make them feel less than, those things are as real as real can be for our black brothers and sisters. We need to learn to mourn with our brothers and sisters in that way. The cry for the church right now to listen and learn and suffer with and lament with our black brothers and sisters is real. You've perhaps seen it on your social media feed. Perhaps you've seen it uh, in the protests in your, in your town in Urbana-Champaign. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't, don't close your ears to those cries. Listen. Enter in and feel the pain and suffer with. Enter in as well to rejoice when there is justice that is fulfilled. Rejoice when things go their way and the system is overturned and, or, or at least begins to change. It's a challenging time to be the body of Jesus, to be united as one, to be mutually engaged and mutually invested in each other. But I think this text would challenge us and call us and call you, TCBC, to this sort of pursuit of Christ together. And so what can we do? How can we move forward then in this time? Well, I think our text has given us some definite pointers, but I would probably end by just saying one last thing as I take a look at this text. This text, of course, uses this imagery of the body to describe who we are. And the assumption is, both before and after the text, and again, you know this, already through, through your own study. The assumption is that this body does have just one head, and that head is Jesus. 
it is so crucial for us to always be connected to that head because that head will give us insights and directions that head will direct us where to go that head will nourish us when we need to be nourished it is our connection to jesus that will in the end help us to become a mutually engaged mutually invested in body community and family and so today there's there is a lot of work to do based on this passage uh, there's a lot of listening that needs to happen there's a lot of preaching and speaking the truth to yourself if you feel like a less than member you need to realize you're not you need to step in to what god has for you if you feel like you're a more than member you need to humble yourself and realize that god is actually in the process of honoring everyone who's less than you need to join in that work and last but not least of course you need to learn how to empathize and rejoice and suffer with others across the racial, ethnic, class divide. But when all is said and done, we can't do any of that if we're not connected with Jesus. Well, we can maybe do some here, some things here and there, but only half-heartedly or only in its in just incrementally. We need a deep connection to Jesus in order for this true work of love and unity to be done. And so can I pray for you, TCBC, as you pursue what Jesus has for you? Thank you, Jesus, for this moment to share with my brothers and sisters here at TCBC. It's an honor to journey with you and journey with them. Put your hand on them today so they might become the body, the community that you envision them to be blessing their city, blessing campus and community, and blessing the world as you imagine. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.